Welcome to the Do Life Better podcast, where we believe that you get to create who you have been and who you become, and that it's often the smallest changes and actions that make the biggest difference. I'm your host, Dave Jorner, and each week I will bring you the best guests, tips, and messages to inspire and help you and me do life even better. Thank you for joining me today. Now, let's get started. Hi everyone and thanks for joining me again today and I hope you are well on your way to creating a great day. And I've been receiving some very positive messages lately about the podcast from a lot of you, from a lot of our listeners, and um, I just want to say thank you. Uh, these messages uh, mean a lot to me, and it's really nice to know the different ways these episodes are helping you and serving you. So um, please do keep the messages coming in. Uh, it can be on Instagram or in your um, in whatever app you use to listen to the podcast. If you do want to get in contact on Instagram, it is at Dave Jorna, that's J-O-R-N-A, or at Do Life Better Podcast. So again, I love receiving those messages. It really helps me know how to serve you even better. So please do keep them keep sending them in. Now, I've been looking forward to bringing you this episode for a long time. In, in fact, I wish I spoke to today's guest, Paul Angoni, way back when I was in my early 20s, or even before then. And um, well, to be honest, his messages are still as relevant for me today as they would have been back then. Uh, his messages help to provide so much clarity in discovering your unique offering, your purpose, and your deepest values. He also talks about how to embrace the struggle and work through your fears and much, much more. Paul Angoni is one of America's leading voices to and for the millennial generation. He is the best-selling author of 101 Secrets for Your 20s. Uh, Another one of his books is called All Grown Up, and his latest book is 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s. He is a sought-after national keynote speaker and the creator of allgrownup.com, which has been read by millions of people in 190 countries. Paul works with major companies to help them attract, develop, and retain millennials, and he contributes to and has been featured in publications such as Business Insider. So now, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Paul Angoni. Paul, thank you very much for joining us on today's episode of the Do Life Better podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Dave. It's an honor being on. Yeah, thank you. I'm really keen to dive into your book, you know, the idea about 101 questions you should ask yourself when you're in your 20s. And funny story, um, well, the first part's not that funny, about my family right now are homesick, okay? And that's not the funny part. I mean, um, but normally I would do these interviews at home in a home studio I've kind of got set up but because my family are home there's lots of noise happening I've actually come to my parents house to do this interview with you right now and I am literally in the room where my old bedroom um, from when I was in my early 20s so it's kind of funny (laughs) how we're talking about you know the question you should ask yourself in your 20s and I'm thinking right now like this takes me back to when I was in my early 20s and man I wish I had to ask myself some of the questions (laughs) that you've got in in your book but um, I'd love to know what really inspired you to get started um, to, to write well you had the original book 101 secrets for your 20s and then the yeah. second one about the questions what inspired you well first of all I'm, I'm glad to be on and I'm glad that you're in your old room I'm sorry that it took your family being sick but yeah. uh, it, it is a perfect uh, scenario for you to be going back to that place of uh, overwhelming anxiety or confusion or questions or just what am I going to do with my life how do you figure this out 
I mean, that was for me, that's where it started. It was just a personal struggle of mm. you go through, you know, maybe some of us go through, you know, university, college, we get a degree of some sorts. We think that's going to answer these big questions for us. And then it turns out it, it doesn't. And we were talking about this a little bit before the interview, but about, uh, you know, transition and change mm. and how mm. hard it can be. And I relate it in the book to a kind of dramatic breakup story of my own. Uh, where I won't, I won't go into the whole thing. You know, you have to read the book to get the whole story. But you know, I yep. felt like I was in like a '90s sitcom, getting dumped in the pouring rain, and uh, and you don't know what to do with yourself after that. It feels, uh, you know, very unnerving. And I felt like that's what kind of my 20s were like. I was breaking up with different seasons and places and friends, and and really with a version of myself, and trying to figure out, okay, what's new? What's this next future going to be like for me? Yeah, and I like how you refer to transitions as that idea of you actually breaking up with yourself in a way. Tell me more about that. Yeah, you know, I, I we talk about transitions so lightly, you know, like, oh, I'm just going through a little bit of a transition, no big deal. But then I think secretly it's very painful and it's it's frustrating and you don't know what to do because you're in transition. You're You're going from maybe one comfortable place and you're looking for the next comfortable place, but you're in this waiting space. You're in this ambiguous zone. You're in no man's land, whatever you want to call it, where nothing feels normal. Mm. And, and so I think in that place, yeah, you are breaking up with a lot of different things and you're breaking up with a version of yourself. And, and I remember in my 20s constantly wondering, you know, when, when am I going to feel normal again? When am I going to feel like myself? And then I started realizing, you know, I, I'm not supposed to feel normal again. I'm not supposed to be the same 18-year-old who felt like he had it all together because I didn't. And so there's a lot of breaking, literal breaking, you know, when you're breaking up with someone. And that's what I felt like. I felt like pieces of me were breaking. And obviously, I wasn't becoming a completely different person. But maybe I was changing by becoming more of myself and more of who I was supposed to be. And there was that changing process as I discovered more of that. So... Mm. It's tough. It's tough and, and hard, and I don't think we give enough conversation to how difficult that process is for anybody going through transition. You don't have to be in your 20s, 30s, 40s, beyond, any kind of that breaking periods of our lives. Uh, it's a difficult time. Yeah, I like what you said about trying to find that new, um, trying to find that normal and get back to when you felt you were normal. And Or maybe, as you said, maybe it's not about getting back to that normal. Maybe it's about finding your new normal. As you break up with yourself, you find out who you are now and as you keep progressing, what's my new normal now? And that's going to change again soon after that next transition. And also in your book, you mentioned that maybe the transitions are the most important part of your life, not the seasons, but those transitional moments. I love that yeah. concept. Yeah. You know, I think we often think of trying to get through the transition as quickly as possible. You know, if you, if you get laid out from a job, Especially, you know, you, you want to get through that transition fast because maybe mm. you, you have a month's money to live. You maybe have no money to live. And so there's a reality to that. Well, I got to get through this quickly. Um, and then for some of us, too, if we actually have a breakup in that relationship, you know, there's kind of the joke, you know, in, this, in the States especially. I don't know the same in Australia, but there's kind of that rebound relationship yep. is what they call it. You yep, know, yep. Where you, you, you just jump into some other unhealthy relationship just because you need that, you need that comfort again. But, and so that's why I say that transition time is actually the most important because when you feel like you're stripped of everything that you used to depend on, all these kind of crutches, 
all these medications, all these ways that we kind of escaped from having to ask the hard questions. Well, in transition, when you are lost, and I think that's sometimes what transition feels like too, you're, you're lost. Mm. You're off the trail. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what's up around that next bend. And it's those seasons of lostness when your senses come most alive. You, you have to pay attention when you're lost. Because it's literally survival. You literally don't know where you're going. So if you don't pay attention, you're never going to figure out where that next place is. And so that's why I think transition is so vital because you're, you're more aware and you're listening and you're hearing and you're more apt to ask yourself, I think, the hard questions because you don't have any comfortable place to just say, well, I don't need to worry about this now because I'm making a, a, ton, a ton of money. So who cares you know, if I don't enjoy my life? At least I'm making a lot of money. You have to ask yourself hard questions in transition. Nice one. And I'd like to ask you um, briefly too about what are some of those hard questions to ask? Because I know that your book's full of 101 of them. Uh, and yeah. particularly if there's some really specific, very helpful, I mean, they're all very helpful, of course, but if what, what yeah. could be some of the main ones? And particularly because you mentioned that we need to be aware of what's happening. We need to be yeah. aware of um, the sounds, the sights, the thinking, the, the things around us. So yeah. what specifically could be could we be aware of? And what are some of those major questions that we could ask ourselves? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, gosh, it's hard. Yeah, I have 101, so it's like asking me which 101 (laughs) kid I I like the best, you know, of my own. Which is favorite child, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, with this. But no, no, especially pertaining to what you were uh, asking about, you know, kind of this awareness. Um, I have different, I have lots of different questions about that, kind of this idea of what I call finding your signature sauce. Mm. And that's this metaphor that I put around this idea of purpose or calling or vocation. Basically, you figuring out, okay, what do I want to do with my life? What should I do with my life? And so I like this idea of finding your signature sauce because it's it's this lens of seeing yourself as this master chef and you're in this kitchen and you're putting together these ingredients and trying to create this flavor that the world needs, that the world wants, that the world is going to pay you money for, whatever it might look like. But but it's unique mm-hmm. to you. And I think that's true for us. So within the book, I'm asking questions to hopefully get people to think about, okay, here's an ingredient. You know, here's one little spice that goes into my signature sauce. And so one of them might be, you know, I ask a question uh, that, a, that a mentor asked me in my early 20s that was really a profound question of, what are your five, you know, top five soul values is what I call them. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, you know, we, I think we get asked this a lot, your core values, your values, you know, companies will get asked this, what are your values of the company? But to actually rank my top values and, and the values that are really instructing and guiding my decision-making processes. So when I come up to a crossroads, what are the actual values that I'm leaning on that says, okay, well, I want to make sure this value is met. And I don't think we do that, and I don't think we rank them. To, and, I, and I encourage everybody listening today, or as an exercise, if you're reading this or watching this, to, to try to rank, okay, here's my top number one value. If this value is not being met in my life, and for me, it's authenticity. Mm-hmm. Authenticity for me is a number one value because if I feel like I'm faking it or if I feel like I'm speaking about something that I don't believe in, then it then I can't really do it with any proficiency. It's not really important to me, and uh, and so it also makes my strength of communication not really a strength. Uh, and, and so that value is such an important part 
uh, is that authenticity, Pete, in my in my relationships, in my in my career, in my purpose, that that part. So that's one of those questions is that value question, which can feel simple. It can feel like we've been asked that, but to actually put that down on paper, I think, is a tough exercise. So, Paul, you mentioned before about being really aware of your yep. values, um, of what's happening around you and the conversations you're having with people to help you find your signature source. So yeah. how do you know when you found it? How do you know that? Well, I think there's little, uh, there's signs, you know, I, I don't think we just step into it and it's all of a sudden this, you know, grandiose moment and the, you know, the lights are shining down on us and we just feel like, oh, I've arrived. You know, I think that's a little bit of a fallacy. I, I think we're looking for that, but it doesn't usually work out that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's little moments throughout your day that if you're aware and if you are being mindful and if you're noticing what I call kind of the details of your day, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think the world is sh- the world is shouting at us constantly. There's so much noise, but I but I tell people, you know, lean into the details of your day because your the details of your day are telling you a lot if you're willing to listen and notice. So some some of it might be something as simple as you know uh, moments in your day when when one maybe you feel anxious, and so maybe that is you know, is is you know what I say you know what is that anxiety telling you. And I call it defining your anxiety in the book. So that's kind of the, on the negative aspect, but maybe you're having this negative feeling, this anxiety, or maybe even a frustration. You're feeling frustrated. Well, what is it? What, what, is, a, what is going on? You know, it's actually, you know, literally s- s- pausing in your day and saying, I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling anxious about something. What is it? And then I think a lot of times when you trace it back, you start figuring out, oh, well, I'm frustrated because... Uh, you know, my job, you know, I were doing the same thing over again and it's the same, you know, it's the same thing. And I, I just, I don't like this one part of my job, but I have to do it all the time. And so that's telling you something that's saying, well, that's mm. not a part of your signature sauce mm. or, or maybe you're frustrated with a certain aspect of your job. And, and so it's telling you, well, you know, do you want to make a change here? You know, are you going to be willing to make a change? So I think that's one way to do it. And then uh, I think the other times is, you know, the times you feel alive, the times you feel like you're succeeding, the times that you feel like, man, this was a huge, what what I call a triumph uh, as, as your pivotal plot point in your story. So I ask people that in the book, what are the pivotal plot points in your story? Meaning times even in your past where you would say, this is the biggest triumph of my life. You know, these are the biggest moments. And um, and they're going to be very different for each one of us where you, you're going to be doing a very different thing. But in your story, with your skills and with your strengths, that was really important to you and your values. And so it's looking at those triumphs too. So those are little pieces that I think we can pick out throughout our whole day. So even if we're at a job that we don't like, that is, you know, I, I often say that lousy jobs are a twenty-something rite of passage. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of comes with the comes with the territory. Yeah. But you can even pick out those things. You know, you can be learning and pick out that thing that I love doing this one thing, even though the rest of the job I dislike. There's this one thing that I love. Well, how do I tailor now more of my future story to do that one thing and incorporate that more in my daily life? Nice one. It's, it's again, funny being in this room right now, in my old bedroom from when I was in my 20s, as you just spoke about the pivotal points and even just doing the job, um, you know, it, it can tell you a, a lot about your, your signature source in terms of what frustrates you and so on, but then what you like. I remember um, in my early 20s um, being in this room right now, not really wanting to go to one of my early crummy jobs. Um, yeah. 
And I was working in a, a restaurant and I was wash, my job was to wash up all night. But then I didn't like the job of washing up, but I liked going and spending time with the people. Yeah, the yeah. people there made it all better. And then eventually I started, I um, worked my way up to become the head cook. It wasn't really cooking, it was more about heating up food. So I became the head heater upper. <laughs> but part of my job then became to train the, the newer employees there, the newer yeah. staff. And I really enjoyed that. So looking yeah. back, maybe for me, that was a, a pivotal point, you know, in, in my yes. story. And then even going back to, I remember being in grade three and walking next to one of the boys who just got in trouble in class and I'm having a chat with him about it. And I keep coming back to that. And for me, that was a huh. pivotal point in my plot, I think. Yeah. And then another time in high school, talking with one of the boys who's going through a difficult time. And I kind of, when I see what I'm doing now, Looking yeah. back, those moments make sense. In yeah. the, at the time, it did it as a three-year-old. I had no idea that that's what I wanted to do. But sure. looking back now, it makes sense. And I really like yeah. what you said also about in those moments of anxiety and frustration, it connects with your deeper core values. Yeah. You're frustrated because something's going against your values. You're anxious yeah. because something that you value is at risk maybe. So it does. when you stop and be aware, it can really tell you a lot more about yourself yeah yeah and i love i would love the way that you put that and that you put that example in there dave thanks for sharing that because i think if we take the time and we reflect on those things we're like man yeah i really did come alive in those moments that other people would not maybe even notice you know they maybe wouldn't notice if that happened to them in the same way mm -hmm. it would have felt unimportant but because it's so ingrained in your story and the way that you're wired um it's very important and then on the flip side when we were talking about it a little bit but also in your past story, some of the tragedies or some of the challenges, failures that you've gone through. Because a lot of times, you know, you know, millennials especially are asking me, you know, how do I find my passion? You know, I want to find what I'm passionate about. And I say, well, that's, you know, somewhat simple. You know, you find you're passionate about something when you fail miserably at something or, wh or when you go through something so incredibly hard that you did not think you were going to make it. But now you've made it slowly on the other side. And now you want to help other people not go through that same thing. Or now you want people to avoid those mistakes that you made or people that, you know, maybe your parents were divorced when you were young and it was very hard for you. So now you're a marriage and family therapist. You're helping marriages stay together. And it, and it stems from that, tr that tragedy in your life. And so it is those triumphs and tragedies. And I think oftentimes we don't give those, we don't want to think about the hard stuff. We don't want to think about the stuff that we've gone through, but that's what gives you that resolve and that resiliency, that's and that's the signature sauce of your signature sauce, I really believe. Mm. Yeah, nice one. The, the, sometimes the struggle moments lead to that passion, lead to that signature sauce. Yes. I like that. And y yes. So speaking of that more, um, in terms of millennials and you know, anxiety and frustration, it leads, and you mentioned earlier too about the fears. What do you believe could be some of the greatest fears of millennials these days? Yeah. Yeah, I you know, I think some people will joke that it's not finding the right thing to watch on Netflix or Hulu <laughs> or you know, that that's a millennial's yeah. greatest fear, which that is a fear. I'll admit that's a fear being stuck in that zone of, you know, I have nothing to watch, you know, I don't know where to turn to Netflix, but uh no, I don't think that's the greatest fear. You know, when I'm I, I speak to leaders uh, at corporations. I do a lot of corporate speaking and consulting too. Over the last few years, I've, I've done a shift where leaders ask me, 
And then they're constantly asking me that too. You know, what's, what's driving the millennial mindset or their motivators, you know, and I actually put it in, in the terms of their greatest fear, which I believe it's a fear of insignificance. I, I feel like millennials really have this fear of insignificance and, and significance, meaning that their life matters, that their work matters, that their voice matters, that, that, the, that their work and their life is important. I, I really feel as a generation overall, we have that strong desire, you know, and, and, and even putting away, you know, the big paychecks or the big, you know, corner office or whatever it might be, that might not be the greatest desire. It's actually is, is what I'm doing making a difference. Is it, is it important? And so I think that significance factor, um, I, I think it's driving this generation to ask the harder questions earlier on because they're just struggling with this. They don't want to just do a job to do a job. And some older generations might say, well, just suck it up and do the job and you're supposed to hate your work and that's just life. And I think this generation say, no, I don't want to hate the majority of my life. I don't want to rush through the day for 60 years. I want to do something that's important. And even if I don't make as much money, well, that's okay because I want to feel like I'm making an impact. And so I think that significance factor is a big one for, for this generation. Thank you. What's the piece of advice you give someone struggling with that, the fear of insignificance? Yeah. Well, one, it's, you know, f- first of all, as I say in my first book, my 101 Secrets for Your 20s, that the possibility for greatness and embarrassment, they both exist in the same space. Mm-hmm. So if you're not willing to embarrass yourself and going back to that failure piece, if you're not willing to go down that road, then you're not really willing to do anything great because that's a big part of it. And, uh, and I've had many moments in my life, you know, mo- all the stuff that I write about is stuff that I've experienced firsthand. And, and I tell this story where I was going to jump on stage to be in this contest to win a free guitar. And, uh, and I was taking that first step to go on stage and I was going to be one of the first ones up, but it was kind of that, that fear held me back. It was, it was, and I literally stopped in my tracks. I was like, do I really want to embarrass myself in front of all these strangers? Is this worth it to me? And, uh, and I ended up not going on. And, mm. and then, and then the people that went up, you know, they, I felt like they didn't do a very good job and I was critiquing them. But I remember thinking, well, but, but Paul, they got up on stage. You didn't get up on stage. Who, who are you to critique anything that they're doing right now? You were too afraid to even make that happen. So for anybody that it's feeling that I, I want to do something significant, well, on the flip side, then are, are you willing to embarrass yourself? Mm. Are you willing to are you willing to sacrifice comfort and stability um, and kind of a normal life? You know, because I think sometimes that's what it means. If you do really want to do something that is off the beaten path, uh, it means getting lost, like we were talking about before. Absolutely, I love that embarrassment and greatness. They they live in the same space. <laughs> yeah, they live right there together. They're roommates. Oh, that's fantastic. I've experienced so many of those moments of embarrassment over the <laughs> yes. years. And, um, you know, it's still working towards what will hopefully be greatness for all of us as well, you know, like for me yeah. personally and, and as well. But I've never thought about that much before, about the idea of embarrassment is right side by side greatness. And yeah. you need to be okay to risk the idea of maybe I'll, maybe I will embarrass myself. Um, yeah. But that's okay. 
because on the other side of that is greatness. And maybe it'll take a few moments of embarrassment. Maybe it'll take a few repeated moments of that, but eventually yeah. I can learn and I can reach that idea of greatness. I love that, Paul. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I learned that very much the hard way myself. And uh, and then also, you know, just that idea of failure. I, I think as a generation, we don't want to fail. I don't think any generation wants to fail. But I think we're so we're I think we're conditioned to want to succeed so badly that even when we do fail, we just try to cover it up. And especially in today's social media age, uh, and what I call a different kind of OCD, obsessive comparison disorder. Thanks for mentioning. That I, I was about to ask yeah, you about that one. Thank yeah, you. for that is taking place, you know. And I think that limits us talking about our failures or being authentic because we're all putting our own PR spins, as I call it. You know, we're like our own PR agents. Mm-hmm putting our PR spins on our life, you know, trying to make it look significant again, Mm. even if it doesn't feel that way at all, we're trying to make it appear that way. And so it's blocking that conversation. And so I think we really, we are hesitant. We don't want to embarrass ourselves. We don't want to embarrass ourselves online or offline. uh, Cause I think we've really conditioned ourselves to be afraid of that. Um, But it was, it was a, a guy named Seth Godin, who's a, a great author speaker here in the States. He's uh, you know, somebody that uh, is a mentor to me as an author. And I asked him, I said, what question, Seth, do you think 20 something should be asking themselves? And, and that's in the new book. And, and, and he basically said, um, what is fear holding you back from? And is it worth it? Nice. And it was that, is it worth it piece again? You know, is it worth never knowing or never trying, or never taking that chance? Is it worth living a complacent, comfortable life where you are miserable, but at least you have a a strong retirement plan? Um, You know, is that worth it? You know, and I I, I think that is it worth it piece is different for each one of us. But that obsessive comparison disorder really gets in the way of finding our signature sauce, like we were talking about before. Oh, absolutely. And part of it is the obsessive comparison disorders because on the Instagram, on the Facebook, all of that, everyone posts their highlight reel, covers up the embarrassing moments, covers up the normal everyday moments and then posts their highlight reel. And then we compare our negative moments with their highlights. Is that what you mean in terms of the obsessive um, comparison disorder? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and when I'm at a speaking engagement, I might use the example of you know, when me and my my wife, who we've been married 10 years, three kids, you know, when we are having a heated discussion, borderline an argument about something, you know, it's not like we stop mid-argument and say, hold on, hold on, babe, let me take a, let me capture this for Facebook or Instagram. I want to, I want to take a picture of this <laughs> yeah. to show like yeah. how ugly my face can be when I'm really angry. You know, I want to capture this to show the world. No, it's, you know, at our 10 year anniversary, when we're having a nice dinner and we're all dressed up, you know, we'll take that picture and we'll share how much we love each other and how amazing our marriage is, which I do love her. And our marriage is the most amazing thing, you know, in my life, Mm -hmm. but we don't share, we don't share the hard part. So then I think it does a disservice in every aspect of life, you know, and even being an entrepreneur, the same kind of model, because as entrepreneurs, we share the sexy, exciting parts of, you know, all the the cool stuff going on, but 99% of marriage, 99% of starting a business. It's a lot of mundane, mm-hmm. hard, unmagical moments mm. that no one's going to care about. No yep. one's going to watch. No one's going to put on a billboard to say, be like this person. Mm-hmm. It's, it's gritty, you know? Mm. And, uh, but, but, and so I think for some of us, when we are going through hard things in marriage or in starting a business or whatever it might be, then we're like, well, I, uh, I must be doing it wrong. 
because everybody makes it look like it's this it's the sexiest thing in the world. I must be doing it wrong. I'm a failure. I should stop. And so you're right. That highlight reel thing, I think, becomes a big disservice. And I, and I do it too. Don't get me wrong. I still am posting the highlight reel because it, you want to make it seem like you're doing these amazing things. And sometimes you are, mm. and you need to tell people about them. Mm. And that's okay. But having that authenticity, I think, is, is a hard avenue, especially online. I must admit that I also you know, share only my highlight reel sometimes as well. And that's a good reminder for me to be more authentic as well in what I share and talk about as well. And also just on one that on one point, it actually is the better way to connect with people. You know, that's that's what I found. You know, when I start getting honest about my struggles and what I've gone through, and that's why I write in my new book, you know, that, uh, you know, one of the questions that I ask are, you know, are you struggling to make it appear like you're not struggling? You know, and, and that we're all struggling, but most of us are struggling to make it appear like we're not struggling. And actually, we connect more over that shared struggle than we do our pretend perfection. We don't connect over that. We connect over that shared struggle of, oh, I've been there too. Oh, you know what it's like. Oh, wow. And that's when you actually build a platform and build a voice mm-hmm. and build a trust with people. And so it actually, that is actually the way to make a, a bigger difference is to be honest, even though, but it takes us being vulnerable and that so, vulnerability, it takes a lot of courage to talk about where you lack the most courage. It takes a lot of courage to talk about where you lack the most courage. I think for all of us. Mm-hmm. I love that point about we struggle to overcome the struggle, to hide the struggle, but yet when we share it, there's a lot of strength that comes from that vulnerability. In some of the programs that I run around Australia with students, sometimes um, we get the students to write down their three greatest fears for the future. Mm. And then the adults read them out. They're, they're anonymous, so no one knows who's written what. And they talk about you know, the fear of losing friends and loved ones, the fear of not meeting my parents' expectations, the fear of not getting to university or whatever. And as difficult as it is for the students to, to hear all these fears, it, they say it creates a great deal of empowerment for them, a mm. great sense of comfort, a great sense of support, a great sense of knowing that actually I'm not alone in my struggle. And this other person over here, I thought they had the you know the perfect life. I thought they had it all together, but actually they have some sense of brokenness as well. They have some fears as well, and we're in this together now. So I like yeah. what you're saying about that authenticity, that power that comes from, in a way, embracing the struggle and, and sharing that struggle. Um, yeah. And so with that, I know I asked you earlier, um, what's the question that we could ask ourselves in terms of finding our signature source and so on? Yeah. Again, I, I'm, it's like I am asking you to choose your three favorite children <laughs> out of the 101 <laughs> questions, and I apologize about that, Paul, but for our listeners... If there are three questions that they could yeah. ask, regardless yeah. of age, um, what three questions would you like to encourage them to ask themselves? Sure. Yeah, I would say one of them that always comes to my mind because it was such an important question for me. Because uh, if you don't know my story, my story, I felt like I failed for about a decade. Pretty much my whole 20s, I was, reje- I was rejected by every publisher. I couldn't get a book deal. I, you know, I was just an unknown struggling away at something that I felt was important. And, um, and so it was very real to me, but, but the, but I think what kept me going and I asked this question in the book is who will I not be able to help if I give up now? And, and it was that end result. It was that mm. it, what I call warring for hope. 
where your your present reality is t- is telling you you're a failure, is telling you it's never going to happen, is telling you you're not going to make a difference. But I kept looking at that end result, and I knew I just knew in the my my pit of my heart that this was something important, and that if I was struggling through it, there must be a lot of other people struggling through it. And so that that question of who will you not be able to help if you give up now, and 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 I don't know everybody's story, Dave. You don't know everybody's story that's listening. Listening to this, or is listening to this. If you feel like you're on that fence of, do you keep going? Do you try one more day? Um, don't give up. You know, don't give up because the world needs you. The world needs your signature sauce, and there's people out there that need your dream. Just they don't even know it yet, and you don't know it yet. So that's that's one. Sorry, I'm passionate. So you give me three questions. I could talk about that for like thirty <laughs> minutes. Um, I love that first um, one, by the way, that the idea about who will miss out on your signature source. Like yeah. even just hear you talking about that motivates and inspires me to get out there and keep working harder as well. So thank you. Yeah. What would be it's literally one? like, it's literally like water, you know, it's mm. even more, more substantive than like a flavor. It's like water. It, it's life, you know? And so I think that is a huge one. Mm. Um, another question that I ask that I think is, is important for our generation. And we kind of touched on it before, but I asked this question in the book of, have I told anyone where I'm going and, um, or where I've been or where I'm headed? Basically, am I opening up to somebody? And, and I use the metaphor of this movie, 127 hours. And it's about, it's about a real life story about a a mountain climber. And it's played by, um, uh, James Franco who does this amazing job. And, uh, basically he gets stuck and a boulder falls on his arm and he's down in this deep ravine and, and, and he's struggling to get out. And he has this realization and I won't go through the whole thing, but this realization of, I never told anyone where I was going. And so no one was going to be able to find him. No, was no one was even nowhere to look. Mm. So for all of us, if you want to pursue a big thing, or even if you're just living your daily life and you're just trying to survive, you got to tell people where you're going. You're not alone in this. And I think that's a huge lie because I, I get that email all the time from people is I feel so alone. I feel like I'm the only one going through this. Well, you're not. So reach out to people like we've been talking about because you're not made. I don't, I don't believe we're made to do it alone. We're made to live in community with other people sharing life with each other. So I think that's a huge one. And I think that can be life or death, both for your dream, but also literally physically, mentally, emotionally. It can be life or death if you're allowing people to go on that journey with you instead of trying to do it mm. all by yourself. Um, Thank you. So that's a big one, and I'll try to make the third one quicker. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I would say one that I think is helpful for me, and, and you don't have to have children to, to ask this question, but if you are going to give your children advice – whether your future children that don't exist yet or maybe children that exist right now, if you're going to give them advice that they were going to read in their struggles in their 20s, when they're at that kind of moment of questioning, what advice would you give them? And I think, it's, I think that's a helpful exercise to, again, take us out of even our own immediate and be like, you know, this is what I would tell them. Even though I feel like I haven't learned that much, I feel like I'm in the struggle, but this is what I would tell them. And maybe it's that the struggle is okay kind of like what we've been talking about. So mm-hmm. I think that's a helpful, again, future-oriented question to even take us out of our immediate struggles into thinking, well, if my kids were going through the same thing, here's what I would want them uh, to know to help them through it. 
That's awesome. Thank you. Having two sons myself, uh, it, absolutely. Um, you know the way I speak to them and so on. Even just dropping my oldest son off today at school. It's his birthday today. You know, and oh, and, wonderful. Yeah, and just dropping him off at school and and wishing him a great day and. I like to give him a word of advice or you know, ask him in the morning, what's one thing you're looking forward to today? And it reminds me as well, you know, like oh, I think it's very yeah. easy for us to give someone else advice. And the harder thing is for us to listen to it ourselves <laughs> and to act on ourselves. So I really like that, Paul. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Before our final questions, I know there's so much more. We, there's you know, uh, 98 other questions I could ask you <laughs> sure, from your sure. book right now. Yeah. But it, before our final two, for this um, episode today, are there, is there anything else I haven't asked you that you think will be really helpful for our listeners to know? Um, you know, I don't know. I think we've covered a lot of good ground here, you know, and I, I, I just think I, I keep going back to the place of how important good questions are. Hmm. And, uh, and Dave, you're doing a great job. I mean, I, I, interviewers like yourself who ask good questions, it's an art. You. you know, it's, it's not, it's not easy to do and you're doing a great job, Thank you. but that pulls out good, that pulls out good answers. It's almost like you're leading to somebody to a good answer. And so for all of us, how that relates to our life is I think so much we're looking for answers, but we're not asking the right questions. Mm. And if you're not asking good questions, you're not going to get to a good answer. So that's why I am passionate. That's why I wrote this new book, you know, and it, cause it's not just about me giving you the answers. Here's the formula for how. I think you should be successful. It's no, what you tell me, like I'll, I'll guide you along the way. I want to be there for you, but you tell me what the answers are for you. And I'll, and I'll tell you a story or two about how it worked for me, but let's figure that out for yourself. So it's tough to do though. I, I don't think it's easy to ask your, ask each other or ourselves these hard questions. Like you were saying before, it's a tough thing, but it's so worthwhile. Mm. It's so important. It can change the trajectory of your life. Cause you'll point your, trajectory to the place you actually want to go because now you can see it clearer mm, absolutely and um i love that idea as well i'm quite passionate about it also the idea of your outcomes are only as good as your questions yeah and the questions so that you ask yourself of yourself and of what you're capable of and of your secret source your outcomes in life your happiness your success your fulfillment are only as good as the questions you ask of you yeah. yourself and also of you know your relationships and everything with people in your life, they're only yeah. as good as the questions you ask of them and so on as well. So your, your outcomes in life are only as good as your questions. I like is, that. And, and that's what really drew me to your books. Yeah, you know, The idea about the right questions to get the right yeah. outcomes, Paul. Thank you. Uh, if our listeners would like to get in contact with you, what will be yeah. the, and we'll put this in the show notes as well. Sure. What would be the best way for them to reach you? Well, thank you. Um, my my kind of digital home base, my website that started it all is allgrownup.com, mm -hmm. but grown as if you're groaning in pain, G-R-O-A-N, all grown <laughs> up. Nice. It's that growing, growing pains. That's what yes. it felt like to me. So all grown up. So, and I've got, I've got hundreds and hundreds of articles on there. If anybody's looking for more inspiration or encouragement, and then also I have contact forms on the website, or you can just email me directly at paul at allgrownup.com. And again, grown, you have to spell it with G-R-O-A-N or it's not going to come to me, but paul at allgrownup.com. Uh, feel free to re reach out to me as a resource or if you need to tell somebody, hey, I feel alone, I'm here, you know, and Dave's here, you know, I'm sure as well mm -hmm. to, to talk to you about that. Sure. Um, uh, but then also obviously all around social media at uh, Paul Angoni 
through Instagram or Twitter. If you if you want to jump on one of those and, and reach me that way, you always can do it as well on social media. Excellent. Thank you. And again, we'll have that all in our show notes for our listeners too. Wonderful. And Paul, obviously being the Do Life Better podcast, uh, I really like to finish the episodes by asking our guests what the idea of Do Life Better means for them. And I love the variety of answers that we get because everyone has their own expertise, their own area of passion. For you, Paul, the idea of Do Life Better, what's that mean Mm. for you? Yeah, well, for me, you know, my life mission is to inspire people and give them hope in life. Um, and do that through truth, hope, and hilarity. So those, those are like the three pinnacles for me. So truth, you know, insight, hope, uh, feeling like there's more, there's more than this for me. And then hilarity, bringing in the humor piece. I try to bring in the humor as much as I can, especially in my writing. So for me personally in my life, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm pursuing those three things, you know, that I am pursuing insight and truth that I'm continually learning uh, and not feeling like I've made it or arrived is big. Um, mm. Hope, hope for me, you know, is uh, faith. You know, uh, faith, uh, you know, in God is a big part for me. You know, a deeper spiritual faith, and then also just hope in the future. Hope um, that my immediate problems are going to go away. You know, that there's bigger, better things in store, and keeping that kind of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and then keeping the humor of life as much as I can. And and I don't do this as well sometimes. I, I, I think I'm funnier in my writing, but then I take life too seriously. And I don't laugh at myself enough. And um, and I think it's a sign of maturity to laugh. Be able to laugh at yourself and your mistakes and, mm-hmm. and see the humor in life. I think we, I think we, should, we all need to see more humor in life uh, than we currently are because everything feels a little too weighty. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need that. So... Uh, that wasn't a succinct answer, but I think that truth, hope, and hilarity piece is a big one for me that I'm always striving for more and more every day. That's awesome, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. A good reminder for me too, you know, like um, I, I love humor as well. And again, for me, sometimes I take life too seriously. So to remind yeah. myself that, hang on, I can um, laugh at myself. I can laugh at these situations and that will help get through it with hope as well. So, Paul, thank you. Yeah. You're and welcome. Thank you. For um, As you know, we like to finish these episodes with a challenge for our listeners to focus on for the week to help mm. them do their life even better. And I take these challenges on board for me too because big inspiration for this podcast is for me to help myself do my life even better as well by speaking with people just like yourself. So, yeah. Paul, what could be a challenge for our listeners for this week? Yeah, I would say maybe going back to one thing we discussed earlier is – trying to figure out, okay, what are my top five soul values Mm. and and ranking those this week? So going throughout your day and really trying to pay attention to say, okay, these are the values. It's justice. It's mercy. It's serving people. It's responsibility. It's uh, risk. You know, it could be, it could be a lot of different things. There's so many words that you could put there as far as your values, but really dig deep into that. And, um, and maybe even at you. So I would say, trying to figure that out. And you could ask other people for help too. So maybe you don't even know where to start. Ask three people who are close to you and say, Hey, where did you see me come most alive in the past? Where did you see me experience the most success and see what they tell you? Because they might tell you something that you thought was unimportant or you thought, Oh, everybody can do that. That's not a big deal, but no, it is a big deal because you have, again, that signature sauce. Mm. So trying to get to, trying to go deeper into figuring out, okay, what are those values? And if you can rank those one to five, 
man, I think that's a, a really amazing place to start for figuring out what your next steps are as you look at your future story. Awesome, Paul. Thank you. And we'll have that in the show notes as well for all our listeners. Thanks, Dave. And uh, Paul, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate uh, the work that you are doing, not just for young people, but the, your messages even today are so relevant for anyone, regardless of which stage they are in their life. And you know, thank you for helping millennials and everyone else understand that, well, one, they're not alone in their struggle to help them understand the importance of embracing their struggle and to find the answers in those moments. And again, um, I love that idea about transitions are often the most important parts of your life. Not the, not yeah. the season that comes afterwards, but that moment of transition because it's those moments when you get to ask the really important questions to get the great answers. Uh, so, Paul, you know, for the work that you are doing, I find it incredibly inspiring um, you know, to help young people understand and find their signature source. I mean, that's one of the big questions that, again, not just young people, but everyone has. And once they find that, as you said, that's when they get to make their core difference um, for people yeah. around them and in the world in general. So, Paul, thank you for the inspiring work that you're doing. Thank you. Well, thank you as well. And I'll put the, all the accolades back on you. And I want to I want to see you in action in Australia someday speaking. I want to yeah. I want to make that happen. If I come out there, I'm going to find you and I want to see you in action because I, I can already tell that you do an amazing job motivating and inspiring our youth. And uh, it's so important with so much depression, anxiety, suicide. I mean, we need more people that are motivating and, and helping others feel like they're not alone. So mm. thank you for joining with me and me with you in, in this work because I think it's incredibly important. So. Oh, for sure. Thank you, Paul. Absolutely. If you are over here, let me know or maybe I need to come <laughs> over there to America. Sure, we could do that. <laughs> let's do a swap. Uh, let's, let's do both. <laughs> Sounds great. All right, Paul, um, again, thank you very much for your time today. And I look forward to catching up either here or over there. Paul, thank <laughs> you very right. much. Thank you, Dave. There we have it, everyone. And remember Paul's challenge for the week. Figure out and rank your five top soul values. This will help you discover greater clarity in terms of your purpose and your direction and the unique offering that you have to the world around you. Uh, please do let me know how beneficial this chat was for you by leaving me a comment in iTunes um, or on Instagram at Dave Jorna, J-O-R-N-A, or at Do Life Better Podcast. So again, please do leave a comment that um, helps me know how to serve you even better. We're now getting even closer to our 50th episode and to celebrate this milestone, we'll be having a competition very shortly. So to make sure that you are ready and able to enter, please jump in jump on to our Instagram accounts again at Dave Jorner and at Do Life Better Podcast. We will be um, giving more information on this podcast and on those Instagram accounts very shortly. Now, if you do find these episodes really beneficial for you in any way, please make sure you subscribe. If you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe. By doing so, that means that each and every time a new episode is released, you get an automatic notification to say that you know, another one's there ready for you to listen to. So please make sure you hit subscribe. That that way you don't miss out on any of the episodes that we release. Uh, again, thank you very much for joining me today and I can't wait till next time. Thanks again for listening to the Do Life Better podcast. And have you subscribed yet? By subscribing to this podcast, that enables you to get notifications every single time a new episode is released. In your podcast app, you can find all the show notes for every episode. And if you'd like to get in contact, you can do so via email at hello at projecthatch.com.au. That's hello at projecthatch.com.au. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, share it with someone you think will benefit from these messages, 
And now it's time to get out there and do life better.